0: Hey, I'm Elijah, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good. Good, man. Man, like Justin said, my name is Pastor John. I'm a location pastor for Flushing. That's the northwest side of Flint. And so I am uh, excited to be here. Anytime I get the opportunity to preach on a Tuesday night, it's awesome for me. And maybe you don't know this, but my walk to coming to know Jesus literally one of the stepping stones was in this building. Uh, the first time I was asked to come to a river gathering was up in that lobby up there up top. And I sat as far as I could from the preacher because I didn't know what was coming at me. And uh, a friend of mine invited me to come here, and I, and I saw uh, some guys that were dressed a little gnarly. They had a big beard, tattoos, dressed in leather. And I'm like, man, there's something weird about this church. I don't get it. And she invited me to come to Tuesday night. I don't know if I can't remember exactly if back then it was a Tuesday night. But I remember when I came, I was working through some stuff in my life. We used to meet in I think what used to be called the chapel. Now, I don't know if any of you remember those days or not. But I was a, a man that sluck, snuck in, wrote a fake name down because I didn't want anybody bothering me. I just wanted to see what it was all about. And so I snuck into the chapel and sat there a couple times, was moved, but I was uh, a little bit ignorant in my young age, and I chose to keep running after my own way. And finally, the Lord later down in life, uh, he got a hold of me and brought me to come to know who he is. And so here I am, I would say about 20 years later, 20, yeah, about 20 years later, 19, 20 years later, and now I get to preach to you. So this is a special place for me, Tuesday nights mean a lot to me personally. So I, I'm really honored to be here tonight. Uh, Justin last week laid out uh, this aspect of bringing it to the table, bringing stuff to the table, right? Like working through how we work through, and if you've been a part of any kind of recovery program, whether it's AA or a Celebrate Recovery, uh, this is a huge part of the process in recovery. Dealing with the hurts that we have caused people. Uh, some of them tell you to write a list out. Some of them tell you uh, to really work through and write it out and figure out every single person you've hurt in your life, and then go make amends. And so I'm going to ask a really silly question. Have any of you hurt anybody? Many people, right? Have any? And you're like, Pastor John, man, come on, read the room, bro, <laughs> right? Uh, do you know who you're talking to, Right? The reality is, in my 41 years of life, I've hurt a lot of people, a lot of people. I've hurt my mom, my dad, I've hurt my brothers. See, I am one of four boys, two older brothers and one younger brother. We've hurt each other a lot of times. It's part of having brothers, if you have brothers. Uh, I've hurt my best friend. I've hurt him many times over. I'm married and I have three kids. Guess what? I've hurt my wife and I've hurt my kids. When we talk about hurt, oftentimes it's really easy to think about the hurts we've done to other people, but we also have to take account for the hurt that's been done to us. And I can go through that same list and say, man, my parents hurt me. My brothers, if you have brothers, you know Man, they can hurt you. Best friends, they can hurt you. Guess what? My wife and my kids, they've hurt me. Now, some of the hurt that we're talking about might be short and quick and soon forgotten, right? Short and easily forgotten. Some of the hurts that we we are walking through and talking about, man, they're deep. They're deep, deep hurts, Hurts, quite frankly, I have some of these deep hurts that I still have to deal with even today in my life because they run deep. They might be physical hurts. You know, if a brother knocked me over the head a couple times, probably deserved it. But some of them are emotional and maybe even spiritual hurts that we have to walk through and deal with. And like I said earlier, if you've been to any recovery program, learning to deal with hurts is part of the process. And I want you to understand, this isn't just part of a program. This is actually what the Scripture teaches us to do. Deal with the hurts in our life. Figure out how to work through them and navigate them. How we're supposed to properly uh, work through them in our life. As I look at this room... I'm not trying to bring up old hurt and old pain. It'd be safe to say there's probably a lot of hurt in this room. Right? Right? That's true, right? I mean, if you're anything like me, maybe it's just my life. There's a lot of hurt in this room. So we have to learn how to deal with it. I didn't hear you. That's right. That's exactly right. We can look around the room and we know there's hurt in this room, right? And so one of the things we need to learn to do is how do we deal with this? Now, the world offers us all kinds of solutions, all kinds of solutions. And I've been guilty of taking advantage of those solutions in my own life. Alcohol, drugs, sex, money, power, all these things the world tries to offer to us as a, hey, this is a solution to deal with the hurt in your life. Whether it's drugs or alcohol, that would be a way to numb it. So you don't actually have to feel the pain. Sex and money, this is a, a, a deception that says, hey, go, make, go have fun. Go please yourself. Go deal with it in this way. And then you, then you can just deal with the pleasure and that will help you forget the pain in your life. Power. Some of you think if you can have all the power in the world, you can avoid hurt and pain and you'll control the situation. We know these things are all lies. <laughs> That's why you're here maybe even. You found that, hey, man, i worked through all this stuff, I've tried these things, dealing with the pain that the world offers these solutions, and the reality is we always find ourselves short. Not really actually able to deal with the pain with the solution the world offers. It just doesn't cut it. Right? And so today, we're going to look at what the Scripture tells us and how the Scripture tells us that we should deal with the hurt in our life. It's in Colossians chapter 4. Paul is the author of this book in Colossians. We're going to walk through this later in the message, but Paul is not unfamiliar with what hurt looks like. Paul's not going uh, to, no, he's no stranger, if you will, to, to the hurts and the difficulties of life that we may also face. I know sometimes dealing with hurt can be a scary, scary, terrifying thing. And so as we look at this, I want you to understand that you're not coming or not hearing these words from a man that's stranger to pain, stranger to hurt. He understands it. He knows it. And he's trying to give us real-life, practical wisdom on how to deal with it. So let's take a look at the passage in Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Paul says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. See, there he says it. I've been hurt. (laughs) I'm in prison. Wrongfully, probably. Not probably, for sure. Verse 4, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Let's just kind of dive through this passage and figure how we can apply it to our lives and really take the truth of God's Word and live it out in our life. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, thank you so much for this evening, this time we have to gather together as brothers and sisters, Lord. Man, Lord, I just pray that you would move through me. Lord, just remove me as a person out of the way and help your Word to just speak to the lives in the room and here or those watching online. Lord, we need you in every day, every minute, and every hour. We need you right now. I pray, Lord, your spirit would move through us and each individual. Use me, Lord. I am your vessel. May your word be spoken clearly, and not with confusion. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. See, as we read this and we start looking at this, Paul articulates very clearly the first thing we need to walk through. He he says, pray steadfastly. Be devoted to prayer. Understanding what prayer does as we walk through, dealing with some of the hurt and the hard conversations we may have to have in restitution or reconciliation. Paul says, pray, be devoted to prayer. Then he changes it. He says, this prayer, have it be motivated by the change of the gospel. I want to show you this. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, an opportunity, if you will, to declare the mystery or the gospel of Christ. Verse 4, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. See, this passage is walk, Paul's walking us through. Hey, the first and most important thing we got to recognize and understand is this aspect of the gospel in our life. What does that mean? What does the gospel mean to me, and why does it matter that I try to deal with this hurt in reflection of the gospel? Well, I, I happen to love the passage of First John. When I when I lose sight of my identity in Christ, and guess what? That happens even for a pastor. I have to be reminded sometimes of my identity in Christ, what the gospel means for me. And I love to go to 1 John chapter 4 because it reminds me of the love God has for me. 1 John chapter 4 verse 13 says this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Right there you see this aspect of relationship. Relationship. I abide in him. I hang out with him. I'm communing with him. I'm praying to him. I'm talking to him. There's this relationship. And guess what? He's abiding in me. This is the gospel message. This relationship we get to have with Christ, with Jesus. And as he continues in 1 John, he says this, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That includes me and you. Praise the Lord. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, here it is again, God abides in him. That's that desire for a relationship. And He in God. Verse 16. So we have come to know, we've come to know. This is, this is not an assumption, this isn't a guess. This isn't a probability you're hoping comes true. You know it's true. You are confident that it's true. Most definitely, it is true. And we believe the love that God has for us. That's the gospel message. And when we're talking about hurt, we're talking about pain, whether it's pain we've caused to people, and trust me, I've caused many pain to people, or whether it's dealing with the pain that someone caused to us, the first thing we got to grab a hold of and understand is this understanding of our identity and the love of God. Maybe you haven't heard this in a while. God loves you. God loves you. Man, God loves me, of all people. How in the world? Isn't that great news? God loves me, and he loves you. This this passage tells us this. Understanding our identity in Christ, the gospel, what it means that God loves us, and it continues there in verse 16. And to believe, believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. There's that phrase again that's relational It's not about a bunch of religious rules, man-made rules. It's about understanding the relationship God desires to have with you. He wants you to know that he loves you. Man, I need to be reminded of that often. Especially as we're trying to figure out how we have conversations with people we may have hurt. Especially as we're trying to figure out maybe even how to have conversations with people that hurt us. Man, it's tough. But knowing that God loves you, knowing your identity is rooted in the love of God is so profound. And as he continues, he says this in verse 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence. How many of you need some confidence every now and then? Hey, I can do this. Who said they were two days sober? You can have confidence to conquer that, man. Know that. In Christ Jesus, there's no other way. you got to have Christ Jesus, but you can have confidence, hey, this addiction's not going to get me down. This addiction's not going to take over my world. Jesus can give us the confidence to overcome that addiction. As he goes in, he says, for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. Look at this, verse 18. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love, we love, we deal with the hurt and pain in our life because God loved us first. Because God loved us first. That's such a powerful verse to really wrap your mind around. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother... He is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, the Bible teaches that we're supposed to deal with the hurts and pains in our lives, whether it's ones we've caused or it's ones that were caused to us. And the first and most important aspect that the Bible teaches us is understanding our identity in Christ in the gospel, who Jesus is, that relationship. And if we don't fix the hurt that we've caused God first, we're never going to be able to fix the hurts we've caused people or that people have caused to us. Right? we got to understand that. That's the most important thing. you got to understand, if we aren't willing to fix our relationship with God, The relationships we have with our moms and dads, brothers, best friends, wives, spouses, or children. Man, if we don't fix that relationship first, those relationships, they're never going to get fixed. They're never going to get fixed. And I want you to fix those relationships, don't you? (laughs) I know I need it in my life. And man, if that relationship with God isn't on point, then the rest is not going to happen. And so we need to understand that. And as Paul continues, he, he tells us this, this passage as we continue in it. He says this. Sorry, I lost my point. As he's walking through, he teaches us to walk in wisdom. Wisdom. Going back to Colossians chapter 4, walk in wisdom. These are two practical points that Paul lays out for us. First, he tells us to to pray and how important prayer is as we navigate healing and as we navigate communicating. He says to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. What does that look like, walk in wisdom? There's some other scriptures that go with this. In Ephesians chapter 5, very similar to this passage in Colossians. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says this, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but... Understand what is the will of the Lord. Understand what is the will of the Lord. This is very similar to the passage in Colossians chapter 4 where he says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. See, if God's changed your world, if God's changed your heart, and everything in you has been transformed, that doesn't mean we don't struggle with our our, our sin nature. But if God's changed you, you got to not walk in the same ways you used to. I mean, that's just basic practical wisdom. It's wise wisdom. In fact, uh, as Paul continues in the book of Ephesians, he lays out for us a very clear, a very clear passage to help us understand what it means to walk in wisdom. Ephesians four, beginning in verse seventeen, he says this: "Now this I say and testify in the Lord." That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, that's not talking about a nationality. When he uses this word Gentile, he's talking about walk as an unbeliever. Walking in an old way in which you used to walk. And he'll explain that as he goes. In the futility of their mind, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their heart, they have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In fact, as Paul talks about this, even in the book of Colossians, he'll say, such were some of you. First Corinthians, he also says the same thing, such were some of you. I can relate to that. Such were some of you, me included. And as he walks through this text, he lays this out for us in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Here it is. To put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And then he says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and to put on the new self. This is the gospel change. This is the transformation from an old creature, an old self, to a new self. Understanding our identity in Christ and what that looks like. The practical application here comes in this manner. Look at this. Verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Paul starts to walk through this aspect, this comparison and contrast in this passage. You used to tell lies. This is how you hurt people. Maybe in your life you can examine some of the ways you lied about somebody or to somebody. Paul is saying, hey, this is the old way, speaking falsehood. Now, speak truth. Don't let lies be a part of your character, your nature, your behavior. Let truth be a part of your character, your nature, and behavior because you represent a God who loves you. He's changed you. He's not the same. You're not the same anymore. You don't go back to the old ways. And as he continues this, he says this. He speaks truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. What's he talking about there? Anger. Not letting anger stew in you. Not letting anger become something you react to, lash out to, respond to. Not giving the devil any opportunity to cause bitterness and hatred to take root in your heart. Instead, He says, deal with it. Deal with it. And then he says, if you are a thief before, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The comparison and contrast, can you see it? If you were a thief before, hey, stop stealing, go get an honest job. Not just go get an honest job, but man, look for the opportunity to help somebody else in need where you once were before. It's amazing to see how this plays out. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Gossip, slander, malicious attacks towards other people. This is the old nature. This is the old self. But only such as good for building up. Stop talking negative. Stop tearing down. But let's start building up, encouraging, lifting up. Hey, you've got this. Every single one of you that shouted out, you've got this. I don't care how long. It could be 16 years. It can be 25 years. Hey, you've got this. You can do this. Let's encourage each other. This is what the difference between the old way and the new way. The new way lifts up, encourages, gives you hope. He continues, make sure it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, look at this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Man, that's really hard to do when we're talking about hurts, isn't it? That's really hard to do. You don't want me to be angry at the guy that hurt me? You're crazy. You don't want me to talk bad about him? What if he hurt somebody else? Man, I've come up with those same excuses in my own life. Let me reread that for a second. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's not part of how we deal with the hurt inside of us. Whether it's the hurt we've put on somebody else or the hurt we've experienced ourselves. We're changed. We're different. we're, We're not dealing with hurt and pain the old way we used to. We know Christ. We have a new relationship. We're a new creature. So what's the way that he says to deal with hurt? I love this in this passage. Verse 32. Be kind to one another. What? Even the guy that hurt me, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you, forgave you and forgave me. How do we deal with hurt in our life? We have to deal with it. We can't ignore it. We can't run from it. We can't use what the world's told us to do. How do we deal with hurt in our life? We got to deal with it. I love how Paul, as he continues in this passage, he says, let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech, your conversation. Here's the deal. As the Lord, you're praying about it. As you're working through, hey, Lord, who do I need to talk to? Because I guarantee you, if you're praying about it, the Lord will bring somebody to your mind. Especially if you have a past like me where you've hurt a lot of people. You start praying about it. You're asking the Lord, hey, Lord, how do I deal? Who, who do you want me to talk to? I want to follow in your instructions. I want to do what's right. I'm listening to your Holy Spirit. He'll bring somebody to mind, and he'll help you remember the offense maybe that you caused. It could be the other way around. You might need to talk to somebody that hurt you. That's not as fun. You, you, I had the same thoughts. You start asking these questions in your mind. Man, was it really that big of a deal? Was it really that big of a deal that I, am I just making it a big deal? Well, man, if it's something that caused you hurt and pain, and as you have these little moments in your life that trigger you to remember those pains, that means you haven't dealt with it. And if the temptation, when it comes, whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever, if the easy go is, I'm going to use this to, 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 to deal with the pain in my life, you haven't dealt with it. Listen, oftentimes those who cause the most hurt, it's probably because they've been hurt the worst. Okay? Those who cause the most hurt, it's probably because they've been hurt the worst. The deep kind of hurt. Betrayal of the worst kind. Whether it was a relationship, a spouse, a husband, a wife, a parent, a brother, a sister. Betrayal, abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. we got to deal with some of these hurts in our lives, guys. And understanding that, first and foremost, the hurts that we've dealt with, that we have to deal with, we have to understand our relationship with God. He loves us. He cares for us. And he also loves the one that hurt us. We have to learn. That's the first and most important. We have to walk in wisdom. What does that look like? That means we, our, our actions match our words. We're not dealing with it in the old self. We're dealing with it in the new self. When someone looks at our lives and know we may have hurt them, they better see a change in us. Your words better match your actions. If you used to steal from somebody and go, say, hey, man, I'm no longer a thief, but you still go steal from somebody else, guess what? What does your words mean? Nothing. Got to put some action to our words, walking in wisdom. And I love this last part where he says, let your speech always be gracious. Guess what? That means we actually have to talk. We actually have to bring it to the table. We actually have to have conversations about the things that hurt us. Man, and I can come up with every excuse and every reason why not to, just like you can but we've got to deal with some of the hurts in our lives, whether that's with the people that hurt you or maybe your table leaders, helping you process how to walk through them. I love how he says this. Let your speech always be with grace, or always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. That means have some flavor in your conversation. Now listen, my wife is a great cook, but she does not like flavor. <laughs> I like my food spicy and hot. My wife likes it really bland. She's a great cook. I have a cupboard full of spices that I have to add just to make sure it's hot enough for me. So it's spicy enough for me. I love this passage. It says when, our, when we have these conversations, to make sure they're gracious, they're kind, right? They're, they're conversations that maybe the other person doesn't deserve. In a lot of the same ways, we see the gospel in that man getting something you don't deserve. Grace reminds me of the cross, (laughs) and so when we're talking with people that may have hurt us, or maybe even people that we have hurt, we need to make sure we're feeling feeling the conversation with grace, what they don't deserve, as well as with flavor, spice, something that brings us back together. That's that's not disingenuous. That's authentic. That's real. As he continues in this passage, he says, So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, part of this process of dealing with the hurt, working through the pains that may have been caused to us or that we have caused to others, is praying about it, remembering our identity in the gospel. Walking it out, walking in wisdom, making sure our actions match our words, and actually having the conversation, speaking it in grace, and truth, flavor. And it's always trusting that the Lord will give you the right words, knowing what you ought to say. Now, some of these conversations that you're thinking about, that you may need to have, I said this earlier, you may come up with so many reasons why not to. The devil will put reasons in your head, ah, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. Maybe you feel shame, guilt. The devil will tell you, oh, man, if you start having these conversations, people are going to leave you. The, your people are going to leave you. Relationships are going to fall apart. I don't know if you've ever thought that, but I know I have. You can come up with every reason why not to have these conversations, but we got to put our trust back in the Lord who says, who says, I got you. I'll help you through it. This is remembering our identity. You're not alone in these conversations. That's why we're praying earnestly to ask the Lord, first of all, who is it that I'm supposed to talk to? How do I confront either the hurt I've caused or the the hurt that they've caused me? How do I have these conversations? Lord, give me the opportunity. Open the door. Help me heal. We started off tonight... Talking about hurts in our lives, both the ones we've caused and the ones we have felt. I think the Bible lays a very clear path as to how we are to deal with some of these hurts. We pray being motivated by the gospel, we pray being motivated by what Christ has done in our life. We walk it out. We've changed. The Lord's changed me. Has He changed you? Masking, has he changed you? Are you different? Are you a new creature? Yeah. Let's walk it out. We can do this. We have a Lord and a Savior who's with us. He's not against us, He wants us to succeed, He wants us to heal. The world will give us all kinds of reasons and things in our path that make us think it's going to solve the problem, and it doesn't there's only one thing that fixes hurt and that's the one that knows hurt better than anybody you said it when he hung on that cross and those nails entered his hands man that hurt when those nails entered his feet that hurt I did that to him you did that to him we hurt him. He wants, regardless of the hurt we've caused him, he still loves us. So he says, dude, I love you. I know you hurt me, but I want you. You're mine. Come to me. Come to me. I desire this relationship to be fixed and to be healed. Man, it's such a powerful image for us to walk through and recognize some of the hurts that maybe we've caused. God wants us to be healed. He wants us to be healed. Starts with knowing him. Then starts with praying. Walking the walk. And actually having the conversation. Let's pray and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father. Man, thank you for this evening. For this time, Lord. Where we can just reflect just a little bit. Lord, reflect on the hurt that maybe we have caused you. And we've never dealt with. Lord, with the hurt that we caused you on that cross, Lord, and we've never reconciled it. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's somebody here in this room that's watching online, Lord, that they would deal with it. They would call out to you and ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I need you. I need you more than anything else in this world. I pray that somebody would do that tonight. Lord, for us who are believers, who have caused hurts to our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would convict us in those areas. Give us the strength and the courage to bring it to the table and to talk about it so we can actually heal from it. So we don't no longer are tempted by the things of the world and we've reconciled the differences that we've had that maybe the hurt that's caused us or the hurt that we've caused others. And I Lord, I just pray that real, authentic, true, genuine healing will happen in relationships and families and friends, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, parents and children. Lord, I just pray because you are the one who brings that healing. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.